Welcome to CISO Diaries. I'm Leah McLean. And I'm Sia Yasutornrat. CISO Diaries is shining a light on the industry's thought leaders and trailblazers. CISOs need people to engage with them. They need folks to take security seriously as a first thought, not an afterthought. They need to value security as a core principle, a moral imperative, an anchor value. And they need people to listen, and they want to be heard. Because after all, they are humans too. This podcast is for everyone, including leaders and those aspiring to leadership in security through CISOs willing to candidly share their personal side, and for us to get to know them apart from their jobs and understand their passions. Join us and have fun getting to know our CISOs. And we would like to thank our sponsor, hosted by Cyber Future Foundation, a think tank and a group of doers who are focused on driving change across cyber peace goals, workforce and talent, cybersecurity education and training, small business cybersecurity, and private and public sector collaboration. And now, let's meet our CISO. Oh, yeah. Greg and Dan, so glad you can join us today. How are you? Doing very well. Having a great day. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. I can't tell you how happy that I am for you guys and how appreciative I am for you too. Because guys, wasn't that a fun start in learning about technology, huh? It was. It was. It's almost like when when technology can fail, it will. And I'm sure with all sorts of fun little applications that you guys use, especially in security, I'm sure we're going to have some fun stories from you guys. Murphy's Law of Cyber. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. So Leah, let's ha- let's have some fun with these guys. All right. Well, first, you guys, you both started a company last year, Sapio, in the pandemic. So, I mean, that most would say that that's crazy. Kudos to doing that. First of all, how did the two of you meet and come together to start Sapio? Tell us about that. Yeah, so it is interesting, Leah. And uh, fortunately, um, we launched the company in October of 2019. And we had in our business plan a global pandemic hitting within the first 12 months. And we understood how that would impact cybersecurity. Not, but um, Dan and I had the opportunity to cross paths. And I've got about 25 years in IT, much of that in security with companies like Cisco and Intel. But Palo Alto Networks is where I had the opportunity to meet Dan. And we worked on special projects within Palo Alto Networks. And it was just a fascinating role because we got to work with some of their most um, strategic initiatives and talk to some of their most um, strategic customers and really understand what was challenging the industry around successfully protecting their digital infrastructures. And I'll turn it over to Dan because he's the brains behind the operation and his background is is fascinating and it's his insights is really what we offer our customers. Yes, I've been doing this um, about 20 years as a practitioner mostly. Um, You know, we were were chatting before we started the recording here a little bit about, um, you know, my days back at PGP security. Um, I ran a global security organization um, you know, and, and have just kind of bounced back and forth between vendors and, and being a customer. And then, um, you know, re- most recently kind of ran a, uh, worldwide consulting, um, engineering group for Palo Alto networks and, you know, really focused on oper- operationalization of security, which I think a lot of people, you know, they, they, they kind of buy this great stuff and then they don't use it very well and they wonder why they, you know, that investment didn't really pay off for them. So that's kind of 
one of the founding principles that we kind of built Sapio around is, hey, let's um, buy less and use what you have better and you'll get better results than if you just spend a lot of money, right? And we saw a lot of people not really making that connection. More money spent equals better security. And, um, you know, to some extent that's true, but what you're spending that money on matters. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the perspective that we, we bring is you can have the best tools and still have terrible security if you're not using them very well. <laughs> it always goes back to that human element, right? Mm-hmm. So I have to ask you guys, um, it looks like you developed a great professional working relationship. You became friends. Um, sometimes that's a kiss of death of starting a company. Was it, would you describe it as smooth sailing from uh, your start or did you guys go through some learning lessons? Well, I think everybody goes through learning and I think, you know, we've got two ears for a reason and, and constantly consuming information is, is part of the job. Right. And as, um, I, I don't think um, there's many startups and it's fascinating because some really good friends and mentors to me were sending me information about the days when Microsoft started and the challenges that were faced there. And I know a um, business leader that happened to be running a powerboat company in the 70s and made a fortune off of it. But in the 70s with oil embargoes, you couldn't get you couldn't put gas in a car, but yet you still had to you know keep a factory going you know, to survive what comes out of the other end of that. But instantly launching the company, and Dan was up here in Seattle. I'm in Seattle. He's in Denver. And Dan was up here in Seattle, and we were going to go pick up four agreements from customers. We had it on the books. And we were on the way to one customer, and we got a phone call on the way, and he goes, don't come. We just had our first um, person uh, um, has COVID, and we're shutting down our IT department. And Mm. Dan and I kind of looked at each other in the car and says, Huh, things are things are changing. And out of those four agreements that we had verbals on, only one of them came through. And it's just been really created some headwinds with COVID on I've never seen information technology change. And it changes quickly anyway, but to change as fast as it did to accommodate COVID. And I think security was left behind in almost all of that. The business had to keep on moving forward. All of a sudden, information and people working out of their homes that they had no plans for, most companies, and they really didn't look at security as being paramount. I mean, this platform that we're using today, Zoom, look at what happened to them. And they did a remarkable job to recover from that. But companies were not thinking, and many companies still don't know what to do about the problem. How long are we going to have people at home? How do we get people to uh, consume the security stacks that we provide when they themselves aren't technical working from their home office and they've got to deliver whatever they deliver, you know, through a format that they're not accustomed to. So all of those things are just so much change so fast. So we've had tremendous headwinds since the day we started uh, is really the message behind that. And Dan, you've got, from a technical perspective, I think um, even more challenges on, you know, um, I'll just add this last comment. Um, A week ago, a week ago, in May of 2021, I met with the first customer in a year and two months. I mean, my business before was meeting with three or four customers per day at their office, in their environment, solving problems. And all of a sudden, moving to a whole different format, it's definitely been a um, been a shift. And I, I was joking earlier about having that in the business plan. We did not. I don't think many companies did. But we did not see this coming at all. Well, so, you know, last night I was listening to this clubhouse chat with Chris Voss, former FBI negotiator. and. I mean, this is, I think, more of an obvious statement, right? But he talked about 
really the need to understand humans psychologically to negotiate better with them. And then just continued on about really understanding the person personally. You guys started this company in a pandemic, um, you know, had to both be everyday prospecting, talking to folks who would be your customers and, and they're going through similar pandemic like everyone else. But what, I mean, how did you relate to them as you're reaching out and, and did you use your personal experiences to kind of get them to warm up? And, you know, if you can talk a little bit about that or how you use your actual personalities um, to just get your business going with the customers. Wait, first off, do you guys have personalities? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> we avoid it at all costs. No, it's it, it's funny because, you know, human beings have have evolved to learn what your what your motivation is, right? And if you go in and your ultimate goal is to help yourself, people um, you know, we've evolved to figure that out, right? You have to go in with the um, the ultimate goal of helping the organization that you're talking to, right? If you're there for, for yourself, they sense that. If you're there for them, they sense that too. So a lot of times we go into a conversation and, you know, there's a hundred different ways that we can help an organization. We provide some insight that maybe they haven't seen before, but ultimately, you know, our goal is to meet them where they are and to help them move forward, right? And I think that's the piece that people really key in on is, you know, when you go, when a typical vendor walks into the room to, or a partner to, to pitch something, they kind of go into this automated pitch mode, right? And, um, and, and, and I love just, yeah, I love just asking people, you know, um, and I learned this when I, when I was a Palo Alto, I talked to hundreds of customers a year and I would say, you know, folks, I'm here for you. This is your hour. This is your dime. Um, you know, tell me what is eating you so that I can help you solve that problem, right? Let's make this next hour worth the time that you're investing in it. And, um, you know, I think that's what I learned is that, hey, if you if you want to get people talking about what their problems are, put them in charge of the conversation, um, you know, and then be ready to jump in. And when you're, you know, when you say, hey, I'm here to help, be ready to actually deliver on that, right? It's not just, hey, this product, that product. Sometimes it's, Hey, I'm going to, we don't have anything for you, but I know the top person in the world for that. Let me get you in touch with them so that you can get what you need. Right. Yeah, um, I, go ahead, oh, I'm just going to add to that, Dan. I, I think um, security in information technology is by far, by far the hardest discipline of information technology with some exceptions. <laughs> you could get into, I think, you know, some um, very advanced, um, concepts of information technology. But when you take a look at it, there's really three network vendors. There's three cloud providers. There's kind of these dominant people that you can look towards as the guiding light to say, this is what I should do for cloud compute. This is what I should do for network. This is what I should do. And then you look at the plethora of security vendors out there. So who do you look to? Who comes in your office in any given day and gives you clear, concise direction of where to go to protect your infrastructure. And it's not just protecting your network, it's just not protecting your endpoint. Dan, I'll steal some of his thunder right now, has a saying that I absolutely love. It's like, you should absolutely not be protecting your company at the exact place you never wanna see your adversary. You don't wanna see him in your 
network. You don't want to see them in your endpoint. You don't want to see them anywhere. You want to have such exceptional security hygiene that the bad guys are saying, hey, you know what? This looks like Fort Knox. I'm going to go to the easy community you know, um, bank across the street that doesn't even have a lock on their on their safe. Those are the people that get popped. Those are the people that pay a ton of money to incident response. And guess what? I always like to have our customers ask some of the people that they're wanting to take advice from, where does their revenue come from? If you're dealing with an organization that makes way more money on incident response, don't you think you might want to rethink that? Do you really want the, the fox watching the hen house? And um, I care deeply about following the money. Why do cyber criminals win? Because ransomware is very, very, very profitable. And you see nation states doing it. You see organized crime syndicates doing it. And you see, I just read the um, yesterday that the technology required to breach the pipeline that everybody has heard about ransomware attack, an eighth grader could have pulled that off. It's not a sophisticated attack. So these big buildings that are filled up with people in North Korea that get to live a better lifestyle by popping folks, they're doing it because it's easy money. Yeah. I will say this, though, Greg, when you and I worked together, before you started at Sapio, and we were at different companies as partners, you always had that ability to walk into a room with other partners or customers and just make them feel at ease and start talking just about how was your day? You know, just bringing that out of them to get them to be comfortable to then share on the business side, earning their trust quickly, I guess. Well, well, Dan hit on it. You know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And our whole culture as a company, Sapio is our company. Our whole culture is built on outcome-based security. We want to have the successful outcomes. It's not about buying a product and saying, man, we booked a deal. We made our quarter. It's about the efficacy. And one of the programs that we worked with when Dan and I worked together was the CEO at the time was so concerned that people would buy a premium product and then only use 20% of the capacity, at most 20% of the capacity for most of the customers. And that put that product at risk. People were buying the technology, but not applying it to the true security needs that they had. And that always that always kind of irked me as well, because there's such a mentality to go book business by Wall Street and then walk on to the next deal that nobody cares about how successfully you deployed it. And I think one of the things, one of the trends that's really coming to this is consumption-based approaches towards you know technology, which is now you've got to care every week, month, quarter that that customer is getting the value out of it or they're going to quit paying for their subscription. But, um, but yeah, to, to your point, um, Leah, I believe strongly people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And you've got to care about, you know, what you're, what you're doing in life. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. so let me ask you guys this then, because, you know, when I think of technology now, now that I'm no longer part of that world, and I get to see it from an outsider view looking in, there is a perception of technology being cold, right? That it's very much O's and you know zeros and ones. And it's somewhat matter of fact and the personalities, right? There's a lot of engineers, a lot of businesses are, a lot of tech companies are engineer-driven organizations and not so much, you know, relational type businesses. So is there any advice that you give right now to any of your employees or any of your, you know, great uh, clients that you have? You know, what was it that connected you outside of asking how was your day, obviously, but is there any other tidbit of nuggets that you've experienced that, that seems to work consistently for you? 
I'll, I'll tell you one that actually came from a customer to us, which was, hey, if we're not investing um, time every week to get on the phone with you, you are not a, a company that we care about, right? So that kind of has resonated with me that we really need to strive to have that regular communication. Hey, what are you guys working on? What's changed since last week or two, three weeks ago when we were able to get on the phone and, you know, stay kind of top of mind with those people because they're ejecting vendors right now, right? They're, they're really managing expenses down. And, you know, if, if you're not top of mind with them, if they don't understand the value prop that you're delivering to them, and if it's not important to them, you're out the door. So, you know, you have to stay, um, you have to keep those, those relationships, um, you know, fresh, right? You have to stay in touch. Um, and, and a lot of times it's just, hey, what are you guys working on? Oh, yeah, I've done that in a past life. Let me give you a couple pointers to help, you know, you from follow, keep you from falling into some of the, the holes I fell in when I did that the first couple of times. And I mean, that's the type of stuff that, hey, you know, we're, we're paying these guys to do this thing, but they're always on the phone with us, like trying to help us avoid the common mistakes and things like that. And that's, that's really the relationship is, hey, yeah, we, we want to do what we do for you. But if we can help you any other way, um, we're going to do that, too. Just we want to see those teams succeed. And, um, you know, we're we're really passionate about that. Yeah, I just add real quick, you know, we coined a phrase, um, trade market um, continued security improvement or CSI, as we call it here. And our customers, we want them not to ever think about security or compliance as an event, but yet most organizations do. It's like, all right, I deployed next generation firewalls, I'm more secure. And that may or may not be true, but it's an event. Hey, I did it, so I'm better off because I did it. Again, may or may not be true, but what we do is we really pay attention to the metrics of improvement that matter to the customer every hour, day, week, month, quarter. You didn't get into a position of risk around cybersecurity in a day or a week or an event-driven moment. You got in there over a period of time where legacy, you know, stuff, people move on, leave, things happen. And you're not going to get out of it overnight. You really needed process to get there. And once people start to understand that, and then, you know, kind of back to the Beatles, I want to hold your hand, you know, having an organization that they know touches a thousand other organizations in a given period of time and says, hey, to Dan's part about best practices, we see this happening. Here's what seems to be working for other organizations that we see that have a culture similar to yours. And that insight, they don't know where else to go to for, for that insight. And, you know, continuity is so darn important. And, you know, I think, unfortunately, to your point, See, the technology companies tend to be cold. There's really a sales-driven methodology behind them. Let's get a new sales guy in there. Let's get a new sales engineer in there to see if we can shake things up to motivate. I've had sales leaders that have been part of organizations I've worked for that says, I want to shake up my sales teams, engineering team every year to get new blood into everyone. These are big enterprise accounts. And the enterprise accounts are looking at that saying, I spend a lot of money with you. Why would you want to disrupt the continuity flow of people that I like, I trust? But the sales leaders sometimes think, I don't want them getting comfortable. I, I want them to feel like they're on edge. And I, I think that's just unfortunate for the long-term you know, security. It might work for selling switches and routers. I'm not sure it's the right answer for security, though. Well, and I think you guys touched on the, the big 
uh, soft skill, right, that we so desire, especially in cybersecurity, is communication and consistent communication. It is a huge part of it. Um, I remember last year, you know, I was looking to get really more ingrained and meet a lot more of the infosecurity folks. You guys gave me some good advice and said, you know, go check out B-Sides, see if you can help with one of their events. You can meet a lot of them that way. Um, they're more introverted, introverted folks. Um, and so they may, they'd appreciate any help they can get for events. Question for you guys, because I haven't mastered this one yet, but for introverted people you have to work with, um, how do you get them to warm up and kind of ease up and share more, talk more? Any tricks you can share? <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I'll take that one to, to start with. I mean, you know, introverts love, you know, first of all, they have to be talking about something that they're knowledge about, knowledgeable about. So, you know, small talk is not going to go a long way there. But, you know, get ask them what they're working on. Ask them what they, um, you know, what their interests are. And, and, you know, once you get them, they want to have that conversation, but they just want to have a meaningful conversation, right? So if you can talk, get them talking about something that they care about, man, they're going to be so appreciative that you took the time, that you made the effort to, um, you know, to open that door for them to have that conversation. I think that's what I always do. And, and you know, I go to the big conferences and participate, Black Hat, DEF CON, all those, and just go find the people standing next to the wall and strike up a conversation and every once in a while, you run into somebody with a really sour attitude. But, you know, 99 times out of 100, those people are looking for somebody to have a conversation with. And they're so so glad that you uh, you took the risk by by striking up the conversation. And they didn't have to, you know, fear rejection of, you know, getting smacked down or, or you know, ridiculed or whatever. Right. So. Yeah, just just make the effort is is a great place to start, I think. And Leah, you're really good at that anyway. So, you know, I I think that's that's probably going to be an easy one for you, right? Well, still learning. <laughs> well, I've got to tell you guys this. That was really thoughtful, Dan, and, and actually very in, insightful. It's almost like you have a good a good EQ, which is so rare, right? Um, I was just going to simply say, can't you just give him alcohol? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you get you get mixed results with that, right? I mean, sometimes awkward people become unawkward when you give them alcohol. Sometimes they become more awkward. So, you know, that's like just meet them where they're at and figure out how to get them talking about something that they like. And yeah, I mean, alcohol can be a good lever to get that going, but that's that can be dangerous too. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I've always had a great time. So, great. Uh, <laughs> So, okay, for both of you guys, so what we try to do is learn more about you. So we like to cyber stalk you guys. Um, and it's almost as if, you know, we laughed about this last time, Leah. I'm like, dude, we picked CISO diaries of all people to like cyber stalk. You're probably not going to get as much information from these folks. So one thing that we did peel away from a little bit is, Greg, I hear you fly. Do you fly like like props, like uh, jet? Like what, what are you certified for or licensed for? So seaplane and single engine land. And so, um, yeah, but my big thing is, is backcountry flying. I'm here in the state of Washington. So some great areas that the only way you can get in there is by airplane or backpack, or I guess you could get a mule too, maybe. But Idaho has phenomenal backcountry flying. Alaska has phenomenal backcountry flying. And so, you know, my airplane is really built for that. And, you know, what's interesting about it is there is so much parity between cybersecurity 
and flying that is crazy because the number one responsibility of flying an airplane is managing your risk profile, right? Knowing your personal limits and knowing, you know, what um, the capabilities of the airplane are and knowing the weather and just doing that. And that holds so true. You know, running a digital infrastructure is not inherently dangerous, but it is very unforgiving, just like an airplane, right? And and so um, knowing what you have is is so important. And that's a big part of, you know, what we do. But yeah, flying is a big part of what I enjoy doing. And um, it's um, just a phenomenal group of people. And it's a big part of my world. So I have to ask, though, like landing on water, though, what's the difference between landing on water versus landing on, you know, uh, you know, the, the runway? <laughs> land. Yes. Yeah. Good, good answer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Land. What, what's interesting, which most people don't appreciate is water is way harder than land. Water has absolutely zero compression. It's like hydraulics, right? I mean, land will actually absorb a lot of the energy if you come down hard on it. But if you come down hard on a seaplane, you don't have any absorption between that and the airframe of the airplane. And so the technique is super important, but it is just such a remarkable experience to think that wherever there's a responsible amount of water, you can put an airplane down in there. It's just, to me, it opens up a whole new world. And living up here in the Northwest, where you've got the Puget Sound and all of the islands, um, it just brings a different dimension. Although I don't have a um, seaplane, but um, yeah, it's just it's just fun. And, and landing, you know, in a traditional airplane on land, you've got you've got runways and you've got the rules that you have to less rules, interestingly enough, in seaplanes um, because um, you know runways have other airplanes trying to compete for that same space a lot more, and and you've got to use a lot more radio communication, that kind of thing. So. But, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great dynamic, I think, to the, to the sport of general aviation. Well, I think I'm a bit jealous because you get to fly in the Pacific Northwest, which is so beautiful and so the clean air, everything. That's, yeah, awesome. Um, okay, Dan, though, you know, not surprisingly, I guess, couldn't really find much about you online. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't talk a lot about that. Um, yeah, so I guess my big hobbies are like fly fishing. I have an old four-wheel drive truck that I like to work on and go drive around. Um, you know, and then um, kind of, I guess one thing about you know being a hacker is, is you know, a lot of a lot of vices, right? So uh, cigars and whiskey and beer and all that stuff. But you know, it's fun to sit around and I'll, I'll text with, um, you know, other, other hackers. Hey, here's, here's what whiskey I'm having tonight. What do you have? And we'll, we'll, you know, kind of have a whiskey together, but in different places. Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, you know, that's kind of my big things, but, you know, love being out on the water. Um, I think trout are magical. And then, you know, being out, um, in the, in the middle of the woods somewhere on a trail, um, you know, going places that a lot of people don't go. So, okay, forgive my ignorance. I've heard of fly fishing. Is that the one where you're like wearing like those big water thing, like jumpsuits yeah. and you're in the water and then you're like, it's. That's throwing, it. Is that what you, it is? You've got, you've got good technique there. I think, <laughs> I think we could make a fly fisher out of it. When you come into, when are you coming to Denver? We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get you in some waders. We'll get you out on a river. <laughs> we're close so that's you know tempt us and we might show up and then we'll go to we'll go see greg and you can take us flying if you need to go see a river runs through it if you want to if you want to connect with the emotional aspect of fly fishing i think that movie does a pretty good job oh no i connected with oh. that movie on other levels my friend <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, and we can all have a whiskey afterwards. So you know, <laughs> we can get all of the all of the hobbies there. Yeah. Yes. Wait. Well, go ahead. I was gonna say, wait. You're never gonna get rid of us. You know this, right, guys? You're you're, you're making this very tempting. We'll, we'll come back. That's, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> See, no. this is this is why customers like dealing with us right is uh you know it's it's fun conversations and get people laughing have a good time and they're like yeah i don't i don't have anything to talk to those guys but yeah absolutely we want to have a conversation you know i i will say i always looked forward to the calls i got to have with you guys you know when you can actually that's when i think you know that you've met people that you work with that you do want to be friends with and and talk to outside of work life right is when you look forward to the calls with the people you work with and you know it's going to be a fun call yeah it makes it a fun call um so i don't know just curious on this question from to hear each of you guys because everything well you started a lot of thing or you started a big endeavor last year or went into last year, really kickstarting Sapio and it's new and then coming out of the almost pandemic that we're out of. Um, but let's say two to three years, where do you guys see each, see yourselves personally and professionally? Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting one. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, it all depends, right? I think um, what, what we've learned is uh, one of the things I've learned is that we don't know what tomorrow looks like. So we kind of have to meet today and see what today brings us in terms of opportunity for tomorrow. The one thing that I think has been very consistent that I will say that we um, will be focused on or will be a part of, of Sapio three to five years from now is, is that focus on making sure that our customers are successful, right? I think that there are so many people, I've seen so many people that, hey, you know, they're successful, their customers are struggling and they're okay with that and, and um, makes me a little bit sick. But, um, you know, I never want to be that kind of organization. I know Greg doesn't either. Um, I see us still being friends and see us still, you know, having a great time helping people um, really solve, you know, big cybersecurity problems. Yeah, I would, I, I would add to that. Um, culture to me is such an important part of company and you see it dictate so many cases where companies succeed or fail. And I am so proud of our culture that we have here. I mean, we've got employees across the board, whether they be young people starting out their career and get to mentor under a guy like Dan or somebody in the middle of their career that is striving for um, a next level of opportunity for them, but doesn't want to necessarily participate, want to participate with a you know, you called it earlier, kind of a gold, uh, a cold, you know, global company that just puts a number on them and says, you're employee number 743261. And, um, and, and then we've got people that are at the other end of their career that bring all of this expertise and knowledge to the table. And I think we've got a platform as a culture that helps people bring all of their capabilities as who they are as people to the successful outcomes for their customers. And we want to expand that. We want to grow both in a um, geographic, you know, today we support customers in the US and um, and North America. And I don't see us going global necessarily, but I think, um, you know, I think um, Latin America, South America has all kinds of um, potential opportunity. I like the time zone concepts of that. 
So expand geographically and really um, be an organization where when employees start with SAPO, they start at whatever level of capacity they've got, but they leave better people, whether new friendships, whether it be customer relationships, whether it be their peers that they work with here. You know, that's the part of our culture that we're just passionate about. No, that that's amazing. And, you know, I think that's the beauty of when you do start your own company and business that you can really create and develop the culture that you want and, and really, um, you know, hopefully in terms of who you bring on, ensure that they have that same type of culture, right? I think that's a really good thing. Um, so if people want to, you know, reach out to you because they want to, they find you fun and, you know, wicked smart on this endeavor you're, you're doing and making the world a safer place. If they want to work for you or with you, where can they find you guys? How can they get in touch with you guys to join such a great culture and work with great people? I keep Dan number one on my speed dial. It works for me. LinkedIn. <laughs> I keep me number one on my speed dial as well. So, you know, it works, it works well for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, um, we're talking to security folks. They're probably going to say, go to the website. And- right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, um, yeah, if you want to, if you, you know, if people want to hang out with me and, and talk shop, I, I am usually at DEF CON. I'm a goon there. So come and find me in the contest and events area. Um, I'd, I love chatting with people there, um, you know, at Black Hat, swing by the knock and, um, and say hi. Um, usually I'm around, I'm around there. And then, um, you know, Besides Denver, uh, any any of the conferences, you know, hit ping me um, on on Twitter. Um, I'm, I'm at Polar P zero L R underscore on Twitter, or um, you know, connect on LinkedIn. Um, I I try to keep up with that, but yeah, would love to uh, love to get to know more people um, in the industry, and always look forward to that and 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 talk and shop. So. Yeah, and our domain is just like Dan's shirt there for those that are, might be on video, but it's just www.saep.io. So the, the .io is part of our brand, but SAPO is the name of our company. And our, our website there, or I'm Greg, G-R-E-G at SAPO, and Dan is Dan at SAPO. So we keep it pretty um, pretty straightforward. And um, yeah, drop us an email anytime and we'd love to chat about security or any, any other life event that um, might be of interest to um to folks. Awesome. Um, Thank you guys so much for being our guests on the CISO Diaries and just keeping it real and fun. And yeah, I I miss you guys, actually. I don't know. Hopefully we can all (laughs) travel soon to, I think Black Hat's going to be in person. So we'll see. Well, it is. And up here in the state of Washington, and Washington's been one of the more stricter in the, um, you know, during the lockdowns and such, but we're opening up and and things seem to be going. It's it's feeling somewhat normal to walk around um, little downtown Anacortes here where I live. So um, I, I think hopefully, you know, the um, worst of this experience is behind us. And now we can bring the energy that everybody's got kind of got pent up and, and make 2021 a remarkable year. Awesome. Well, thanks again, you guys, for being here and sharing so much with us. And you know where to find them and the CISO Diaries. We thank you too and hope to see you again soon.